This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It was only a couple of weeks ago that Representative Cotter and I were on a tour of the area impacted by the forest fire in Exeter. And, you know, what we saw was was super significant. Obviously, we, we observed the specifics of the damage that took place. But there are a lot of big picture, we'll use the fancy terms here, the macro view of really our forest conditions and how in many, many ways, this is an area that has been largely um, un, we're, we're unprepared at a high level for many of the challenges that we face in terms of a climate change discussion and in terms of really in general, um, you know, the, any situation that, you know, that, that could create forest fires or other issues in our forest. So I got a text from the rep and in that was a press release from the General Assembly that reads as follows. In the wake of the Exeter Forest Fire, Cotter introduces Bill seeking study for safer forest management, saving the 700-acre forest fire that raged in Exeter two weeks ago is evidence that Rhode Island needs to make forest stewardship a higher priority, Representative Megan Cotter said today after introducing legislation to create a commission that would help the state determine the best action for improving forest management. Rep. Cotter joins us this morning. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for having me. Always nice to have a chat with you, Bill. Always a pleasure. So, all right, so let's talk about the specifics here. What would this commission's charge be in examining the conditions of our forests? So I think in Rhode Island, we have a lot of different groups that all do really wonderful things, but pushing in opposite directions. So first, this commission gets everybody to the table. Um, We've got the firefighters, DEM, EMA, Land Trust, uh, the Nature Conservancy, um, the uh, conservation commission get everybody to the table and and discuss what needs to happen to manage our forests better so that we are more prepared for the next forest fire because we got really lucky i mean let's be honest 700 acres but not a life lost and not a house burned down uh, and as you saw when we went through the through the um i think like the the hour tour with chief cattell um it was so close to houses i mean the wind blew a different way, a different direction that day, and things could have been very, very different. Definitely. And we saw how the fire departments that were that had responded, the dozens of fire departments actually served as when well, we didn't see it, we were we were kind of given the recap of how fire departments set up essentially as the line of last defense defending property there. And look, like you said, the big takeaway from that that event was that we were very lucky and we were very close to seeing this thing spill over. It had it gone just a little bit further to the east, it would have impacted a significant amount of homes. It would have also threatened significant farmland, including some well-known commercial farmland. And honestly, if if you walk through and and observe the you know the terrain in that area, it could have even started to spill towards North Kingstown, Wickford. I think we could have had ourselves um, a truly transformational event. So you're trying to get ahead of 
a potential next event. And who knows when that's going to happen? Is it likely going to happen again that we're going to have a massive forest fire in Rhode Island uh, in the next year or two? I mean, who knows? But it's pretty safe to say that with climate change and with many other factors, not not the least of which includes people who are camping in the woods because they live there and they have to live there and they need to build a fire to stay warm or to or to cook. That's a factor as well. And all these different sidebars and major issues create a very volatile um, potential, I should say, volatile situation. Right. I mean, I think we had 80 forest fires last year at, at, at small scales. Sure. So, I mean, it, it, the perfect storm could brew again. I mean, we don't, climate change is real. I mean, there's no denying that the climate is changing. Hot, dry days, it only takes, it only takes a day. And um, I was, I was very fortunate to be invited to the, um, to like kind of the aftermath um, recap. Um, that happened this last week. Uh, unfortunately, it was on Tuesday, so I had to miss the first part of it. But some of the big takeaways were, um, you know, DEM doesn't have enough forestry folks. And there's uh, in the state of Rhode Island, we have 75 miles of um, forest uh, hose for firefighters throughout the state. And when they use those hose, um, they go to the forest uh, fire management DEM, they clean the hoses they, you know, rebag them and get them ready for the next fire. Well, when you have 150 acres burned down in um, West Greenwich, you know, the day or two days before this fire in Exeter, the hoses weren't ready. They weren't ready because they only have two people doing that. You know, and those two gentlemen are hard workers. They're smart. They know what they're doing. I mean, kudos to them for, for you know, putting in all the hard work. But we need to be smarter, not, you know, not work work smarter not harder right? right um you know and and at one point there were like 20 folks in that department we're down to two um and and why would we wait and i feel like this is part of the problem are we going to wait till the fight to the fire that we're like oh geez we should really put more people in that department um because we're going to see potential um larger fires why why wait we should be prepared now right so on this commission, would that include in your mind DEM and fire chiefs? I mean, who who makes up the commission? It's a twelve person commission. And my first phone call was to Rep. Chippendale. Um, you know, he's been a leader in this um, in this fight for a long time. So I asked him if he would be on the the you know the commission and and put his support behind it. And we had a great conversation. Um, so a DEM, uh, EMA. Uh, the Firefighters Association, the Firefighters Association, the Chiefs, uh, so two different firefighter associations, the Forest um, Forest Conservation Commission, um, the Nature Conservancy. Um, so, you know, it, one person from all of the leading organizations. And I, I think that's the other piece, too, that we have a lot of different organizations that are all kind of working in the same way. But I don't know how much that that communication is, you know, are they communicating with each other? Um, you know, I know Rep Chippendale released that, you know, we should put $180,000 towards the Rhode Island Convention Commission, a uh, convention, Conservation Commission, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I, I commend that. But I, I also think that if until we get all of these folks to sit at the table, and then we can decide what the best course of action is. And, and hearing it from leaders of these organizations um, you know, I think it's the most important thing. 
I love this quote by FDR. He said, I'm not the smartest fellow in the world, but I sure have smart friends. And I think it's really important. I'm not an expert in fire management and I'm not an expert in the forest, right? I'm, I just, I'm not, but all these folks are. So if we can get them all to the table and decide, you know, what needs to happen, where the investments need to be made, where we need to spend money, we're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, we're not getting the federal match dollars because our state's not spending enough money on forest management. So, I mean, if we spend a couple more million dollars, we can double what we spend. I mean, why aren't we doing that? You know, there's just simple things that need to be kind the questions need to be asked um, and then go from there and find out, you know, what does DEM think needs to happen? I mean, DEM needs to be at that table because look, they're the guys that take the fall when all things go wrong, you know? Um, and, and obviously the firefighters, we need to know how to support them. And when we were on the ride, you know, I asked Chief Cattell, are our forests managed properly? And, and you heard them. No, they're not. You know, there's a lot that needs to be done. And then the other piece, too, I got some calls after the fire, some from Richmond, um, some from Exeter. You know, we had um, we had a lot of destruction in our forestry the last couple of years with um, invasive species killing off trees. Um, if you have 10 plus acres, you have... Have a, a management plan with DEM, but what happens if you have four acres? So, so maybe there needs to be more, um, you know, more information out there for folks that have, you know, more than half an acre that has, you know, forestry. They, there are no resources for folks, and um, maybe we need to have resources. People want to be stewards of their land. They do not buy multiple acres of, of land because they you know, just for the fun of it, they enjoy the forest, they enjoy the hikes, they enjoy being out in the woods, and they want to take care of it. So let's teach them how to do that. How much in your in your mind is this an issue for private property? And how much of this is for state management? And can the two coexist under this commission? In other words, can you go to a large farm and say, hey, you know, here's what our commission has found. Your land is substantial, but it's privately held. So we're going to, quote unquote, mandate a certain amount of deforestation take place. Do you think that constituents of yours with, with large uh, swaths of uh, forested property would welcome something like that? Or do you expect there could be some pushback? I think, you know, mandate's a tough word. I think that, you know, and, and who's going to pay for it, right? Like you may have 20 acres of land, but you're not a millionaire. You know, I think there's a lot of folks in my, my district specifically that are land wealthy. You have a lot of land, but you're not, you know, you're not, you're an average person making average salaries. So I think we need to figure out what kind of resources we can give to folks. Um, and there are, so here's some of the other things, you know, when you start digging in, having conversations with DEM, there are resources, there are grants that can be given to private landowners to help um, be stewards of their land. How many folks know about this, right? I mean, I, I had never heard of it. I had no idea that there were this, like, almost like a scholarship that you can get for this. Um, there are funds available um, and you can apply for them. Who, you know, do, do land owners with 10 plus acres know about that? I would, I would guess probably not. Um, and I think we have to look at it really from a, from a higher level, maybe even like by, by, neighborhoods even um because there's you know this this fire in exeter that had 700 acres it was uh like four properties i believe so it wasn't just you know if you're if you're managing your property but your neighbor next door is not um you know how how successful is it going to be 
Um, so right. I think, you know, I don't want to say mandate, but highly suggest, I think, is the, the route we're going to have to go here. But also, how can we make sure that people have access to funds? How can we make sure that people, um, they really know what needs to happen? Because a lot of people don't. And and it's great to bring in people like um, Bob Verrier, who, um, you know, he's right on Route 3. He owns his own um wood operations so he's he's going into forests he's he's basically an arborist he goes into the forest and he decides which trees need to be cut he helps with the process and you know he wants to come to the table um these are folks that do this day in day out i will never know as much as bob verrier knows that's a fact right this is what he's done for the last you know 30 plus years but i certainly can talk to him and have conversations and he can tell me hey listen this is what i think needs to happen and and those are the kind of conversations that need to be happening at a at a, at a top level. Um, you know, the governor's office should be involved in this, right? Because they're the ones essentially that are going to be able to pop it in the budget. Mm, well, that's the next question, I guess. Is have you had any conversations with anyone from inside the executive branch? I have. Um, this commission is kind of the first steps to figure out where the, you know, what needs to happen. Let's talk about that first and then go back and say, okay, I mean, I'm going to fight for it in the budget next year. There's no question. That is an absolute certainty. I am going to ask for money next year for this. I'm going to push for it. Um, and and I, I, I would suspect that, you know, my rep Chippendale, who's going to be on the commission, will hopefully also be pushing and we are will be pushing in the same direction. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of I, I think, you know, being a state rep, being a new state rep. So, you know, I don't know everything, but it seems like we need a little bit more oversight in a lot of different organizations in the state. And um, I'd love to see where we can cut some funds and put some more money towards things like this. Mm, yeah. I mean, look, if you went through with a fine tooth comb, the, the, the budget, you probably could find some areas where you could make an argument that, okay, if, if the budget is, is uh is finite and it's set at a certain number whatever that number may be at each and every year you know where are the priorities budgets are a reflection of priorities for any administration and any general assembly that's for sure and this clearly needs to be prioritized so if it's not an additional set of funds and of course there are other ways to fund things like this there's grants there's federal grants there's private sector grants there's private donors whatever it may be but the end of the day it's 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 really a charge for state agencies and like you said I, the big takeaway for me was like you had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast the reduction of the physical the people power inside DEM when it comes to forest management and even a merger that took place between really the forestry wing and the agricultural wing and you wonder okay yeah consolidation in government is actually something that makes a lot of sense to me a lot of the times i mean there's so many departments or so many areas where you don't want to see someone lose their job but you wonder hmm is there a more efficient way to do this a more contemporary way to to get things done um a lot of times we see certain things get pushed out to the private sector on a consultant basis or something like that and 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 i think a lot of that makes sense one area where it probably doesn't make sense is something like this, where the reduction in staff and oversight and specificity of, of role might lead to disaster. Mm. And very, it came, we came very close. So you wonder if, okay, this is a moment where we need to fund DEM more and give them the resources to do their job. 
um, in a way that just simply reflects what they used to be able to do. Right. And, and, you know, not having the hoses ready after a massive fire for the, the next massive fire, you know, we need to anticipate that and we need to know and, and think about the future. Um, we shouldn't be waiting for another disaster. And then with our hands up, oh, we should have known better. We should have done better. You know, we can't wait for that to happen. We need to act now. And DEM knows what they need. They know they need more manpower. You know, having conversations with with Ken Ayers, you know, um, you know, Arcadia is like 1,400 acres. They have two people working in Arcadia. I mean, it's not it's not um, it's not sustainable. And if we are really committed to, you know, being stewards of the land, which we all should be, you know, we need to act now. And having trees that have been decimated from invasive species still there, still up, you know, we can't expect someone with 20 acres of land to be able to financially get rid of all of those dead trees and constantly, you know, clear the forest floor. These are things that we, we really need to start thinking about how we can manage this better. And, and it's frustrating on some level because, you know, having certain talks with some people, they're like, well, what's Rhode Island? We really don't have a lot of forest fires. Right. We haven't had in the recent future of uh, recent past forest fires, but we need to think of the future. And, and everybody wants to talk about climate change, climate change, climate change. We need action to prepare for climate change. It, right. it can't follow words. We right. need to really think about it and prepare for it. And that's the frustrating part, I think, because I think it's going to be hard to get folks, um, you know, m- maybe even in the governor's office to see that this is this should be a priority. I think the General Assembly will see it. You know, I, 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 I have faith that my colleagues will see that this is really important. Every every district has forested land. Um, those hoses um, that DEM cleans, that's in every single fire district in the state. I mean, you go into Western Cranston or, you know, even parts of Providence. I mean, there's forested area everywhere. This is not just a rural issue. This is an urban and rural issue. Yeah, no question. And because of our small size, I mean, any rural issue can quickly become an urban issue, as I alluded to. Not that Wickford is urban, but it, it um, and again, I don't know that the fire could have crossed Route 4 and made its way into Wickford, but it's not inconceivable either when you look at the trajectory of other forest fires on a global basis. You know, I wonder in the aftermath of, of the fire, not just specifically with your proposed uh, formation of this commission, but constituent reaction. What what have you heard from people on the ground who maybe were were stunned by this event? Well, I think um, there's a lot of folks. Like I said, I got calls from Richmond. They're concerned. Like um, I, I had a guy who called me as three acres of land, and he knows he's got a lot of dead trees on his property. You know, he knows that there needs to be management, um, and he's worried. Because this could have easily happened in Richmond or any other place. And, um, you know, when um, we had a a ridiculous amount of trees die, um, Richmond had to go out and cut certain trees that were on um, that were near, um, you know, uh, wires and uh, potential damaging to, you know, could fall into the road. Um, And that cost the town money. And it was necessary. The town had to make that investment. There was no way that it could not make that investment um, for for the next few years. So I think in the long run, 
people know that this has to happen, but, but private landowners, they want to, to do the right thing for their land, but they need, they need help. They need direction. They need funds. Um, these are all issues that we're, we're going to have to find solutions to these problems. And, you know, honestly, if we're spending more money on the forest, maybe some of the federal dollars that come back could be funds for folks to tap into, to, um, you know, to really be stewards of their land. Um, you know, it, it, it only takes one, you know, I don't know how it has a cigarette flick out the window. Right. I mean, on a dry, dry day, you know, I mean, really, uh, you know, we really, really need to start thinking about this because I don't think this is going to be the end. And I also don't want to be on your podcast a year from now saying, well, if everybody had done what we should have done, you know, this wouldn't have happened. We don't need people to be losing their homes. We don't need lives lost. And the firemen, Look, those are the bravest men. When when everyone's running away from it, they're running into it. Um, and and you know, in towns like Exeter, Richmond, we have volunteers, and they are they are willing to put themselves in harm's way. We should be supporting them, and and to support them, you know, we need to do our part to make sure that we're not just willy nilly putting them in harm's way. I mean, you saw too the other piece to it too that the um we when we were in the driving and there was that big open field that was pretty green had that been brown two weeks earlier that fire could have easily gone across very easily that field at that time was a blessing and had it been brown god only knows what would have happened the chief chief gavitt would have lost his house Totally. I mean, we saw it firsthand and it's it's very real. And I, I think that the, the public at large should know just how fortunate we are that that thing did not get more out of control. Because it, if, if not for, you know, a little bit of randomness, a little bit of preparation by a private landowner and a little bit of luck and obviously the tremendous efforts of the fire departments and the National Guard, we would have had a major not that what not that it's not major. I mean, you you go there, you 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 view it, and you know, okay, this land has changed for a decade, likely, and uh, it's significant. It's important to to note that. But at the same time, like you said, property damage, obviously, number one, lives lost, including not we did lose lives, we lose we lost plant lives, but um, in term in terms of human and livestock lives, uh, we did not see that happen, and we're lucky. We're absolutely lucky that it didn't happen so so the the commission that that, that you propose the resolution that you propose i should say directs that this commission um would report its findings to the house by february 28th 2024 so this is this is like quick action here yeah we don't want to wait we got to be quick you you wait and then a whole nother budget goes by right yeah so if we have some some resolutions by february you know, that gives us time to really say, this is the money that needs to be spent. These are the actions that need to happen. We need to do this now. We cannot wait. And and that's why we, we made the deadline February. I, I think that, you know, having all of these, um, you know, super knowledgeable people on two or three Zoom calls and pounding through, we'll be able to figure out what needs to happen pretty quickly. You know, DEM already knows what they need. You know, yeah. it, they're not... They know what they need. Um, the fire, the fire, uh, the firefighters know what they need. 
you know, and this is just coming to the table so that, you know, Rep Chippendale and I can can get together and say these these are our priorities and this is what we need to happen and putting a dollar amount to that. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And if we wait past February, it's not going to get into the next year's budget and we don't have time for that. I, I think that's the other piece that we really need to hit home is that this is urgent. This is this needs to happen quickly. Um because if we have another, another, you know, three large fires in a row and we don't have hose and, and DEM is trying their best to to kind of climb out from underneath all of this, it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, I, I think you're I know you're completely right on that one. Uh, Representative Megan Cotter, who was right there on the day of the forest fire in Exeter, right there in the aftermath and now proposing the formation of a commission that would engage uh, a variety of agencies, individuals, and organizations to take a look at forest management, something we have absolutely ignored here in this state. And you're right to shout out Representative Chippendale, I should say Leader Chippendale, who has been a very vocal advocate for this for years. Um, And I even rode around his district with him Gosh, it must have been 2019. It was definitely pre-pandemic, and he was pointing these these things out to me, you know, up in uh, Foster and Coventry, and and it was it was clear then. It's been elevated in its clarity in the wake of the Exeter Forest Fire, and let's hope that we are able to tackle this significant problem before it becomes something, you know, completely disastrous. That's the hope. I mean. We're, you know, we're just going to be going into more extreme weather and we really have to identify that. And everybody talks about climate change. Every politician in the state of Rhode Island has climate change on their agenda or or is talking about it on Twitter or Facebook. Like it's time for action. So I think we're going to have to, you know demand some action, I think. you know, hopefully the governor's office will be supportive. Um, and that's what it's going to come down to is, are they willing to put this in the budget? Cause they're, they're going to have to be willing to put it in the budget. <laughs> right. Oh, it's important stuff. And I'm, we'll certainly follow up on that with the governor's office. I'm sure you will, uh, rep Cotter. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.